when they started to introduce video as a way that we can access, really what's happened is that people have just started to use those networks as a communication tool. So video has now become much more conversational, much more quick and immediate. And really, I think it's brought those social networks to life. Well, it's brought the internet to life as well, really, because what it's enabled us to do is to be more personable and to get to know each other, I think, a little bit better through the use of video on those networks. So we've kind of shifted from a place where people used video for very kind of high end bespoke sort of work. And it costs lots of money to do that and takes lots of time to a place where people really just kind of switch on a camera and off they go and use video in that way. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 749, and we'll be having a discussion about how video has evolved and, in particular, how it relates to social media. We'll have a little glimpse into what's effective. I'll talk about some of the things I've been doing, but I also wanted to bring along a special guest on this topic. Welcome, David Kilkelly. Hello. Nice to have you here. Hi, James. How are you doing? It's so good to be here. Great. I'm glad we got to make this happen First off, I just want to say thank you because I believe it was you who alerted me to how to put captions on videos and also to the fact that LinkedIn is a good place to put videos. I think that's the pioneering thought that came from you from our business and it's had a significant impact. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really good to hear. I think, um, you know, LinkedIn's one of those places that I, I kind of, well, first of all, it's changed a lot in the last couple of years since Microsoft took it over. But also, you know, if for anyone who works with other businesses, it seems like a pretty unique kind of opportunity. And it was working really well for us after they introduced video a couple of years back. And um, obviously, I've followed you for a while. And I know you do a lot of video marketing across different platforms and um, definitely thought it was a good place for you to hang out. So it's good to see it's been working for you. Well, members of Superfast Business community have been exposed to my training where I take them through the results, how I've been using the iPhone, where I've been putting the videos, what little script I use, which platforms. But the thing that came out of it that was amazing is just how good LinkedIn was for video. And if you're listening to this and you're not a member of Superfast Business Membership, by all means, join. If you just want the training on how to use short videos for profits, it's now available as a standalone product on superfastresults.com. You can buy it and get it. And I'll teach you how I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars from my iPhone making very short videos. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how video use has shifted over the last four to five years. We'll talk about how people communicate via video. We'll talk about cost-effective social video content. We'll discuss where you can get help for it. We'll also have a chat about platform that has been useful for courses. The one I just referenced, for example, Superfast Results, is a website that my team have built using 10X Pro. And that's another thing we have in common, David, because I saw a video review of yours for 10X Pro. It looked like you're a big fan of that system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've just recently launched a new business ourselves. So we had a video production company for the last four or five years that we've been running where we focused around kind of creating content for brands and um, sort of campaign content and uh, sort of higher end stuff like that. But my passion really is always, I've always liked the entrepreneurial community. I've always liked people who run their own businesses and I like hanging out with those kind of people and talking to those people. And as the, um, 
as the kind of landscape was shifting, we noticed uh, a new kind of demand, which is one of the things that you mentioned just now that we we're going to talk about. But um, so we thought it was time to launch a, a new service. And having kind of messed around with WordPress and plugins and all those different kind of things over the last few years, I was uh, I recognized that it was, uh, you know, good to kind of maybe try some new platforms. And so, yeah, 10x was one of those things that we folded into the new business. And it's been really successful so far. Uh, the thing I thought was really cool about it is I saw it on LinkedIn in a video. So, oh, okay. Right, well, there you go. You know, it came straight up in my feed. It's, it speaks exactly to what we're talking about here. Mm. It's how I've been doing well with it. So let's talk about video use. How's it shifted over the last four to five years? Well, I think one of the things that's interesting to remember, I had to look this up for a presentation. Uh, I was talking to a group of people and I wanted to find out when Facebook had introduced video. I knew that LinkedIn have only introduced it in the last couple of years and they were one of the last networks to introduce video as a sort of a native tool. So I looked up when Facebook had introduced it, thinking it was going to be like 10, 15 years ago, and found out that it was only 2013, which in the kind of grand scape of things is not even that long ago. And it made me think how much that's changed the way we use social media. So, you know, traditionally, a lot of the social platforms were kind of text based. People use them to communicate through, you know, sharing blog posts and things like that, which was all great. But it was kind of very, it's quite a dry form of communication. And when they started to introduce video as a way that we can access, really what's happened is that people have just started to use those networks as a communication tool. So video has now become much more conversational, much more quick and immediate. And really, I think it's brought those social networks to life. It's allowed us to kind of well, it's brought the internet to life as well, really, because what it's enabled us to do is to be more personable and to be to get to know each other, I think, a little bit better through the use of video on those networks. So we've kind of shifted from a place where people used video for very kind of high end bespoke sort of work. And it costs lots of money to do that and takes lots of time to a place where people really just kind of switch on a camera and off they go and use video in that way. Yeah, and there's been a few other changes that have made it possible. For example, tonight, as I record this, it's PM where I am and it's early where you are. This is the first time I could attempt to record a podcast like this at this time of night where I live because of the internet speed. I recently had an upgrade and I can finally join the rest of the world, even the third world countries, with a decent internet speed. So as I'm teaching my son about online marketing, and he just made his first couple of videos in the last week, I was uh, laughing with him about just how hard it was for me to make videos when I started out in 2005. It was really complicated to record the video. There weren't iPhones, for example, so that's a start. Mm. There was like flip cameras, etc. There was uh, DSLR cameras, but it was very hard to record it. It was really hard to encode it or compress it, very hard to host it and stream it. And then we were hamstrung by internet speed. So all of those things have changed. Now we can easily make videos. I showed him Loom and he was able to record himself on his laptop instantly and it was streamed and then shareable. Like that would have blown me away 15 years ago. And the other thing that's changed is everyone has an iPhone or an iPad. So in terms of making videos, it's very easy. But also in terms of consuming videos, it's very easy. A lot of people are watching videos when they're in transit, basically all the time. I see them even walking along the beach watching things on their phone. I think that's crazy. But there's been such a shift and it's accelerated. When I first started doing the videos probably about eight or nine years ago, properly, like every day, because I'd seen Gary Vee with Wine Library TV, it was really hard. I had such a big process. 
And now you can just have the rapid author flow. You can film on your phone and then upload it directly to the platform from your phone without anything else. But what I tend to do these days is load it up to Drive and I let my team edit it and do some of the things like you taught me, David, which is putting in the captions using an SRT file, et cetera, and they now add more graphics and better thumbnails because the platforms let you choose those things. So it's definitely worth getting an advantage over someone who's just going full gorilla and putting a little bit of effort into the production. And I think you're going to talk about how that works. But what I have noticed is that people are starting to communicate with me more via video, even though it wasn't something uh, some of my original client base would have been handy with. Now people in my forum are sending me Loom videos to watch where they might have just recorded something for me just to get a quick view on. One of the members recently posted just how many videos they had. I think they had 2,500 Loom videos and they used 220 of them all the time. So that's one thing. How are you seeing the change in the way people communicate? Yeah, I suppose it comes down to kind of two different things. The first is probably the ability to jump in front of the camera and to kind of, you know, articulate yourself and to think about how to structure those sort of things. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. And I think particularly for, you know, maybe our generation who haven't kind of grown up necessarily with a camera in their hand, there is a, a shift there that you need to kind of step outside of your comfort circle a little bit and kind of, you know, think about it and practice, you know, practice like anything. So, you know, my background was in teaching 10 years ago. And I remember the first time I went into the classroom that I was kind of sweating and shaking and kind of unable to really do it without notes and kind of planning it really meticulously. And, you know, 10 years down the line, I could just kind of go into the room and do it easily without really kind of thinking about it too much. So it's the same with anything and any kind of activity that you undertake in your business, you know, there's a certain kind of uncomfortable place that you need to get into to get used to it, you know, and then I suppose there's kind of two ways that you can use video as well. You can use it firstly to kind of deliver your expertise and to help people understand what you do. But I think there's also a really valuable place where you can use it in a sort of more personal branding way to help people understand who you are on a personal level. Because, you know, if we meet people in person at a networking event, we kind of maybe get a good feel for them. We might talk to them about their family or their kids that kind of thing. But, you know, there's not necessarily an immediate tendency to do that via video, especially if you're making videos for social media for your business to not kind of go to that place. But actually, I think it's quite valuable to think of being able to use video in that way, because, you know, and I've seen you maybe pop a video up about what you're cooking that night or surfing or some of those things that are maybe more personal to yourself that help people understand who you are as a person. And that makes, you know, because we all work, people work with people and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that helps people people maybe kind of make decisions that aren't necessarily based just around expertise. They're based around personality. Right. So as soon as you go off LinkedIn, you start to getting right into that heart zone, like Instagram stories are a great place for those sort of videos. Some of the ones that I've done that were popular were documentary style. I took people behind the scenes in the Maldives. I have definitely shared more of my personal life on my personal Instagram do put things like surfing and the occasional thing that I've cooked, even though food's definitely not a thing to put, apparently. So I've gone off that. (laughs) But in terms of the videos, I've even found promoting the podcast. Like when you and I talk, one thing that I will do later is make a short video talking about this podcast. I'll mention a couple of the things we talked about and why it would be good to listen to the podcast. Perhaps you're listening to this podcast right now because you saw a short video from me talking about this podcast where I mentioned the episode and drive people to the website. So it's become a really good marketing tool, but you can also then advertise and get even more people to look at the video to then go,
go to the podcast. So if you're on episode 749 because you saw my video, that's how that happens. And it's really, really cool. The other thing that people pay attention to is what's in the background on your videos. So, you know, you can change the environment where you film them. And often people comment on a surfboard in the background or one of the places where I tend to film quite a lot of videos has soundproofing on the wall. Now, it's not entirely soundproof, but it definitely eliminates a whole lot of echo and bounce. But it looks quite cool when I backlight it. It's got this nice textured black foam and everyone comments on it. They're like, oh, that looks cool. It's kind of like my little Wizard of Oz studio where I've just got my mm. microphone and it just eliminates a whole, you know, you can't hear cars driving past or whatever, but you can occasionally hear a baby if you listen very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> so they do comment on that. I know a lot of the professional people making videos have put quite a lot of attention into their shelf and the books on the display or the little icons or symbols or a favorite album or a sign or a placard or a trophy. These are all sort of things to provide visual cues in the back. Background. But what we're talking about here is communicating so much more than just words on a page or just a picture. When you go into that video, if you can do it, then you will build trust. And it's funny how you mentioned that, how people aren't used to it, our generation, because even though I didn't get a mobile phone until 1993 or 92, I was actually making videos from about 1991. I did some acting class. Oh, right. And it's it's a funny story worth mentioning here because <laughs> one thing is I was very underconfident and super scared and had no idea what I looked like or sound like on camera until I got the, we got these scripts and we did rehearsals and then we filmed and then we'd have the training the next week and then our coach would just rip us apart. Alan was his name and he's still coaching now and I'll tell you how that happened. But as a result of that, I ended up getting a part in a feature film. And as a result of that, I ended up getting listed on IMDb. And here's a fun fact. The main reason I discovered and learned search engine optimization was to be able to take back control of my own name and outrank IMDb. So now it's buried on several pages back. Not that I'm not proud of what I did, but <laughs> it was confusing to people if they searched for me and they'd find that I was an actor when I was actually running a Mercedes-Benz dealership. Right. <laughs> That's the origin story behind me buying my own domain name in 2005 and then wanting to build a website to put it on so that I could outrank IMDb. The second thing that's interesting is years later, my acting coach had a bit of trouble with the school and I stepped in to help him and we built it back up. And then many years later, he found out I was doing this website stuff and he asked me to help him out. And we actually still run his website, which I think is screenactorsworkshop.com.au. If you're in Australia, you want to do acting classes, Alan's the guy. Anyway, we still look after that site now. We've, you know, I've repaid that favor because I think him helping me be comfortable on camera has most definitely been an advantage for me in business. So big tip, if you're going to do videos and if you can get on camera, that's ideal. Certainly if you don't want to, you could hire people. And if you don't want to do that, you can still use keynotes, etc. And maybe you've got a couple of creative solutions as well, David. For getting in front of the camera. Yeah. Well, oddly, I mean, I share an acting background with you as well. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's <laughs> something that you should recommend. Must be why we're friends. <laughs> I played Fagin in Oliver Twist in my school play about however many years it was, but, but definitely before. I wanted to play Oliver, but I was deemed to young or something and i got to play a workhouse boy oh okay <laughs> well that was before imdb i presume so uh no digital footprint from that <laughs> yeah that was way before then it was like 1983 yeah. or something you won't see that one online yeah <laughs> 
So, I mean, I suppose what I quite often say to people is that you can film stuff without publishing it, you know, and I think that's a really good kind of way of just kind of getting used to it is that you don't have to sit down imagining that whatever you're saying is going out to the entire world. Because you're not live streaming, right? No, exactly. Yeah. It's such a great point. Yeah. And, you know, you can always, you know, you could just create a video for your wife or for your business partner or something like that and just get used to using video at a kind of introductory level like that. And then you never know if you bank that, stick it on your drive and come back to it a week later you might decide actually no that's okay and we can put that up and see how it goes the other thing is maybe just to publish video into a small facebook group or something like that so you're not feeling like everything's going public to start with and then the other thing i suppose is just to remember that you can edit stuff mm. you know i see so many people with social video just trying to do everything in one take <laughs> and that's really hard it is hard i mean i, I don't do that that's how i do it by the way <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah okay so i mean if you've got some experience it gets easier but no script one take and here's my tip i don't even look at it i just upload it to drive i don't want to look at it i just film it upload it yeah and i'm on to the next thing it's amazing well some people say that live video i mean i actually agree as well that live video can be easier in the sense that once you press that go live button you're kind of committed and you have to just carry on and really the little mistakes don't matter you don't edit your conversation when you're having a coffee with someone so why should you edit they make you human yeah exactly yeah but there is something about creating a social media video that you maybe do want to edit it because it means sometimes that it can be a little bit punchier and especially when you're first starting out before you get the hang of how to communicate in a kind of brief way definitely that um, using the edit suite to trim something that might be five minutes down to two minutes is important the other thing I've noticed is you know my team and I've seen others do this they're putting in some interesting little pictures that relate to what I'm talking about some animations and things that make it more engaging for the audience so that they're going to watch it and the other thing is I keep them extremely short they're usually in one or two minutes max people have a short attention span unless it's very relevant to them yeah and it kind of depends on the channel to a certain extent because certainly for the kind of Facebook's and LinkedIn. Well, YouTube has to be long, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, there are some platforms that prefer longer form content, but as long as you understand which platform you're publishing to, then you can get it right for that platform. I think LinkedIn pops because it's such a boring platform and it's very businessy. So when you do see a video, it's like entertainment. Oh, goody, <laughs> something interesting. Whereas with YouTube, super competitive. If you want to be a YouTuber, yes, you need the proper edited stuff. Like one of my friends, Scott Devine, he's got a fantastic bass guitar channel. And even though he films it with a handheld camera most of the time which has doubled his views from when he went from a pro DSLR setup so that was really interesting. He does work hard on the narrative and the editing and he makes it an amazing video. If you watch some of them they're just epic. They're really good and I don't even play bass guitar I've never even held one. I'm not that interested in learning but I love watching his videos. Mm. I think one of the things to remember about you know LinkedIn versus YouTube one of the drawbacks of LinkedIn is that it's really not evergreen or searchable. So any content that you create that you put on LinkedIn is kind of gone and it's hard to find it again, you know, if you want to find it or if you want to share it with someone or something like that. So I tend to put my stuff onto YouTube as well. I don't optimize it for YouTube, but I'll put it there purely because it just means that if I want to direct somebody to it later on, that they don't have to go and sift through my LinkedIn feed trying to find it. Or if someone's searching for something, there's a possibility that they'll find it there because, you know, YouTube is essentially a search engine and works in the same way that Google or SEO for a blog might work. But LinkedIn is kind of very immediate and then kind of lost in the mist. Facebook's better. At least you can go and like search for videos on Facebook. But LinkedIn is not really set up for that. And that's one of the drawbacks, I suppose, to putting content up that you've spent some time creating. So it's just worth thinking about that. We put it on LinkedIn, but we also put it on YouTube. 
and that's good for embedding if you want. We put on Facebook. That's good for building an audience and remarketing to that audience and also buying ads to it. We also put it on our own website and we put it inside our members area. That's one place people often forget. But my members are the ones who really like my videos and they get to talk about it afterwards. They ask more things or they agree or they want more refinements and we can have a discussion around it. So that's cool. And it also lets them know what other products or services we have that they might have forgotten about or it reminds them of things that they can go and get that they have access to. So there's a few different uses on the video itself. But I know if I want to crack YouTube, I'd have to really work hard on a different type of video. For the most part, our videos are the shorter tip type thing that will lead to the next step, whatever that is, rather than a self-contained unit. Absolutely. And I think you're talking about repurposing there, essentially, which is one of the great ways to, um, one of the reasons why video is so powerful, because it's a rich format. You Mm. can use it in lots of different ways. But also, I think it's important to think about how you create the video content and how you maybe make the best use of your time, because it can be time consuming, especially if you're editing it as well. Mm. By the time you've you know, filmed it and got the camera out and maybe set the microphone up, and if you're lighting it, you've got to light it and all the rest of it. So you know, one of the ways that we you know, looked at that over the last couple of years, especially with launching the new business, is having a look not just at repurposing at the back end of it, but how you batch produce stuff at the front end of your marketing. So with remote video team, we'll look at maybe filming for a day or two with someone. And in that time, we'll generate three months worth of content. And that allows people to really knuckle down and focus on the creation process to create a stack of content. It's much more time effective because you're not setting the camera up and taking it down all the time. It enables you to really focus on the message and thinking about what you're doing and getting into the flow of things, particularly if you're not used to presenting. Sometimes once you get going and you've kind of spent an hour or two doing it, that you actually kind of find your stride with it. And then it really allows you to kind of generate a range of content in a short amount of time because, you know, we recognize, you know, working with other entrepreneurs that people don't necessarily have the time to spend a day a week or a day and a half a week trying to create video content. So getting organized at the back end and at the front end is really important in that respect. Yeah, gosh, I reckon I spend about 10 minutes a week on video. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting too much time or budget in, but it probably reflects in the um, ordinariness of my videos. Are people coming to your actual physical location for these videos? Well, no, because we've now figured out that, you know, obviously we can do the editing remotely. So and when we built the new business, we really wanted to do something that was first a national service and then ultimately a global service. So we actually have access to a network of freelancers nationally and potentially globally as well. So we're looking at being able to basically send a freelance camera person to pretty much any location in order to capture the media. And we work at, you know, maybe doing one day a quarter to do that. And then we can do the rest remotely. So essentially, we're trying to productize video, which is quite a challenge because it's quite a bespoke service a lot of the time and people kind of all want different things. But we're looking at how you can create video and for us as well, build a business that's kind of scalable and uh, not you know localized because that was the real hurdle we had with the existing video production business as soon as you send a team to france to shoot your overheads go up and everything becomes more complicated so we figured out a way of being able to deliver video without that kind of barrier a lot of people listening to this probably have a pretty good setup in terms of a camera some lights a good mic We've talked about video a lot on this show. I mean, we've got a lot of episodes Mm. to start with, but it's something we've been pretty passionate about. If they can make their own stuff, 
I think they'd be interested to know two things. One, what type of videos are you suggesting people make when they batch them? And two, can they just send the stuff off and get it edited and trimmed and tailed and turned into something useful rather than having to hire a video editor off a outsourcing or freelancer board? I mean, I'm set because I got my own team in-house. Well, when I say in-house, they only work for me, even though they're in their own house. But most people don't. They need a freelancer or something to help them. So firstly, what type of videos are you suggesting they make? It's interesting because everyone has different requirements. So if you do a lot of videos for courses, for example, or if you do a lot of little training videos, sometimes video doesn't even sit, like you said, within, you know, it's not even for social media. It can sit within a membership or something. So those kind of short videos that maybe share expertise where you sit and kind of make a content plan and you look at your year and you maybe think about, okay, there's an event happening here. We want to make something around that event or we want to make a short mini series of content where we talk about, you know, sort of sales tips or something like that. So, you know, for those kind of videos, you can batch those videos. But we also recognize that everyone has different kind of levels of needs when it comes to content. So like you say, lots of people can film their own content but they might not want to do the editing some people are coming in at a sort of more introductory level and they really just want some educational elements so they just want to learn how to get going with cameras other people are further up the path so you know we've done some work with chris ducker who i know you know and we've kind of gave him a bit of a kickstart sort of with some youtube videos and then he got going himself and now he's doing his own ones so you know i think it's really useful to have a you know a service where we can dip in at different levels and help people from the educational level right the beginning all the way up because some people want to actually have their hand held they don't want to do the video themselves they want someone to bat against they want someone to ask questions and to be there when they're filming so that they can kind of get some feedback so you know everyone has different kind of needs and requirements and for us the challenge is to kind of build something that's flexible that can then help at different levels and in different ways i remember a long time ago there was a company going around to the real estate agents doing their monthly newsletter video newsletter you know a long time so service in their industry and they make the agents do it as part of the franchise because typically the agents are busy selling houses and they're not interested at all in setting up or understanding anything to do with media creation. It was like, like a pain in the butt for them, but they did it and then it would go out to their entire audience. So it's such a needed service. Oddly, that's the thing that I've had loads of questions about over the last month or two because we work quite a lot with the state agents already doing kind of property video. and Every single franchised agency really should be doing video newsletters. There's no mm. doubt about that. Mm. It must be nine years since I talked about Own the Race Course, which was this platform of creating news and publishing ongoing news. That brings people there. It drove the growth of my search engine optimization business, which I built up and then sold, just giving updates and news. So it's a really good thing to do. I might suggest a couple of the other things because I remember I was there in Hawaii with Ezra Firestone and we were recording videos with him and, and Carrie out there with like banana trees in the background or sugarcane. I can't remember. It was something like that. We're doing stuff like thank you page videos like, hey, thanks for your order. I appreciate it. You'll see all the details below of your order, blah, blah, blah. So you could do support ones. You can do onboarding welcome videos for a new course. Yeah. Uh, you can do upsell videos. Thanks for your order. Hey, would you like to get the extra thing sort of videos you can promote specific events you can do a sorry to see you go email when people unsubscribe 
I had a friend of mine, Ryan Spanger from Dream Engine come up and he filmed the whole launch sequence for my live event. And we had previews like me at different locations saying, oh, here's the volleyball court. You can come down and watch them play volleyball in the morning before the session or have a surf if you prefer. And then there's also, hey, you've joined or you bought a ticket. Here's a special message for you that I have and you can make an ongoing offer for a membership. So, so much you can do with video and put them in places others haven't thought about. Even uh, error pages on your website could have a video. I think Noah Kagan had a famous Mm. one at one point that was really entertaining to watch when you go there. It was like he was really upset that uh, you'd found an error page. I think it was him. might be someone else, but it's something I imagine he would do. Yeah, I mean, essentially you're duplicating yourself, aren't you? I mean, that's what a video enables. So, you know, because we work historically kind of locally, our sales process would involve a sales meeting where we would go and be face-to-face and we would kind of walk people through things. And I think when you run digital businesses, it's easy to kind of forget that that kind of face-to-face thing is a valuable part of a process. And actually, if you can replicate it with video across various different touch points in your business, that it just brings a more personal, kind of trustworthy approach to what you're doing. And, and that can happen after the sale as much as it can before the sale. Yeah, that's so cool. So, you know, thank you for being part of my journey with video. And why don't you let us know where we can get help if someone's listening to this, they want a hand with their editing or some tips or someone to come out and film it for them. Your website? You can find us at remotevideoteam.com, which is built on 10X Pro, as we were talking about at the beginning. But, um, you know, one of the things about that package and about the way that we've built the site is that we've been able to build in a lot of different sort of course elements and educational elements. So there's a range of services there all the way up from kind of editing one of your videos to training. We're introducing some courses now to support people at different levels and also getting that freelancer in if you need that as well. It's good for courses, isn't it, 10X Pro? Oh, it's great it's just so straightforward and and sometimes i trip myself up with it because i think it's going to be more complicated than it is so i mean i was you know a couple of weeks few weeks back i was faffing around inside of stripe trying to figure out how to set up products and things and then i realized that i didn't even need to do that (laughs) (laughs) just to do it all within 10x pro i've got a community uh that i set up on super fast results it is the simplest product i've ever made it requires zero content I just set up a product called Support Assist. And for 10 bucks a month, people can ask questions and get an answer. That's the product. Right. And one of the questions someone asked the other day was, you know, which hosting do I recommend for 10X Pro? And I'm like, no, you don't need hosting. It's included. It's <laughs> like, forget about finding a host, forget about doing security, forget about setting up all your stuff. It's just done. Yeah. And you don't have to pay your hosting bill or anything. And they're like, what? This is unbelievable. So there you go. Yeah. It's been fantastic. As I get to use it more, I'm just falling in love with the platform. And yeah. I'm sure people listening to this podcast have heard it to death, but it's, you know, believe the hype. It's real. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, we have people at different levels and in different kind of paths of their journey, you know, in terms from from beginner through to quite experienced people. And what I love is that I'm able to kind of, you know, assign a course to this person and not to that person. I'm able to kind of keep people in little groups and pockets so that we can give them access to different things in different ways. And so it allows us to, first of all, build a community, which we never had with a previous business. And I think that's a really valuable thing for any business to have is to have the ability for people 
people to communicate through your platform and to kind of join in with conversations, but also to keep them in little pockets of expertise so that you've got maybe groups of beginners that aren't kind of, you know, answering or asking different questions from maybe more experienced people. And so it gives us a lot of flexibility with being able to, you know, firstly host a community, but also respond to them in a way that's more appropriate for them. Yeah, I love it. It's just powerful, but simple. Mm. It's like somehow managed to do the impossible. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> David, thanks for coming along chatting about video, especially how it's changed. I'm all in with video. I do it most days, but we certainly publish every day, even if I don't make the video. I even have them go and pull apart training that we've done at live events, put animations to some of our live Q&A calls that we do inside the membership and drop a three-minute nugget outside so that people can get the power of demonstration. It's worth doing. You can get help if you need it. This has been a tremendous discussion, episode 749. We fully transcribed it at superfastbusiness.com. So if you want to read through this or um, get a recap, you can go and see the transcription at superfastbusiness.com, episode 749. I've been chatting with David Kilkelly. And uh, David, I'll see you on LinkedIn, I imagine. I think we probably will see each other there. Thanks so much, James. Thank you. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.